Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me this morning is your co-host, Spaz. Brought to you by copious amounts of caffeine. (laughs) Brought to you by 5-Hour Energy. 5-Hour Energy, when you really need to be awake for five more hours before you collapse. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, As we said, it's a morning show, folks, because our guest is in Paris, France. Joining us uh, to talk about Helium Rain is... Gwinnell Arbona. Did I say it right? I'm pretty sure I did. I wrote it down. But did I say it right? Yeah, that was great. Oh, Hello, thank guys. God. Okay. That, I've, I've honestly never seen that name before. I've, uh, that's the first time I've ever seen this name. Is that a common name? It's not even a common name in France. I get that a lot. Uh, oh, really? In country, so. Okay. so you're fine. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that's, that's awesome. But uh, welcome, Gwinnell. Uh First off, folks, we're here to talk about Helium Rain, and just a quick thing, we are very biased toward this game because we love it. We love it so (laughs) much. We've been playing it uh, for a couple months now. I did a video of it, which is uh, on the stream uh, back in... And we also have a dedicated channel in our Discord for it. Yeah, we have a... Full disclosure. Yeah, we we love it that much. We have a dedicated uh, text channel for it. I did a video of it a couple months ago. I need to do a new one because you've made some significant changes since then. Uh, so, folks, if you're not aware, Helium Rain is uh, it's it's a first person, well, I guess third person as well, but mostly first person uh, combat trading and uh, business game where uh, you're running like a lot of games like. Privateer and elite, you are like an independent contractor. You're basically running a corporation of one, basically. But in this game, this takes it to a next level where you're actually running a corporation of multiple ships. You can build stations. Uh, there are a lot of people are going to. Um, Morning Coder Banna over on Twitch. A lot of people are going to um, uh, draw comparisons to the X Games. And uh, let's just say right off the bat, this is already better. In my opinion, because uh, because um, this game knows how to make a UI that you don't have to struggle with. We were talking about that a little bit before the show, but if you guys can see on the stream, the UI is uh, kind of a wonder in this game. We'll talk about that. So, uh, now let's start at the beginning. Uh, how long ago did you start working on uh, Helium Rain? Uh I think I started uh, working on the design documents four years ago, and uh, actual development started uh, three and a half years ago. So it's been uh, it's been quite a ride. Oh, and, and, and no wonder it feels so polished already. And it's running on. Uh, remind me of the engine. Is it is it Unreal? Yes, it's Unreal. Uh, which one? Three, four. Uh, Unreal Engine 4, and I think we did pretty much every uh, minor version of uh, Unreal Engine 4 uh, since it basically came out uh, three and a half years ago, and as soon as it was available, I started working with it. Uh, basically, the game was uh, I started development with uh, another engine, and uh, I switched to that as soon as uh, Unreal Engine came out. So it's as old as the engine itself, <laughs> basically. 
So, so what? Uh, what was the impetus to start working on this? Did you see uh, one of the X Games and go, "Wow, that's awful"? I can make something better. No, seriously, I'm I'm, I'm gonna. I'm sorry, folks. I I don't have a lot of hate <laughs> on the X Games, except that they do a lot wrong with their UI. They they ba- I basically feel like they're not space games. They're business games that just happen to take place in space, and they don't feel like. I mean. They don't really feel great to me. They've never been fun, really, a lot of the time. I really hate to slag on them, but it's it's just like I feel like I'm fighting them more than I'm playing them, and, and that is definitely not the case here. So now that I've gotten that out of the way, what was the impetus, uh, Grinnell, to uh, make Helium Rain? Even know uh, how exactly it started. I just knew that I wanted to do uh, a game that was a bit different because I wanted to be um, more realistic than most games do. Um, not realistic like a game like Cable Space Program, which is great too. Um, but at least have a, a universe that made sense. Um, I think in most science fiction you have uh, teleportation, time travel, uh, shields. Uh, super advanced weapons and I just wanted to to do something a bit different with uh, classic guns uh, no teleportation, no time travel and the idea at first was just to create a game that was around one planet and just one planet uh, so we've changed that a bit, now we have multiple moons but mostly that was the idea, just stay local, stay around one planet and um, try to imagine something that makes sense, basically. And so, of course, uh, I think the X Games were a big inspiration. I've been playing them uh, quite a lot. Um, but it's a, mix of, uh, it's a mix of different games, I think. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and folks, if you haven't uh, grokked from uh, what we've talked about already, one of the big differences between this and the X Game. Uh, games, excuse me, is the UI. Uh, now, one thing that a lot of games like this don't get right, uh, I feel, is the UI. Uh, the X Games, Elite Dangerous, um, they don't make things like trading very easy. I mean, they, they make it a struggle. Um, Elite doesn't have a great time of it because, one, it's got a crap economy, and two, it's so big. But here, because you have a finite universe, you've been able to make a UI that makes trading, for example, uh, much more streamlined than it is in just about any other game I've dealt with. Uh, which is really nice, because you would think if you're living in so far in the future that you have spaceships and stuff, you'd think there'd be a way to have some kind of trading network where you could see what the prices are, <laughs> you know, around your quadrant or whatever, One you know? Think. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> That's one thing I love about uh, Space Rangers, is some, uh, for example, because you can just, at any time when you're docked, pull up uh, info on a planet and get the prices on that planet, you know, uh, which just makes sense in a futuristic society, <laughs> you know? So um, I'd, I'd like to ask about the UI because that's probably one of my favorite things about the game. How How much work has gone into making the UI so... And it still has work, like the trading is a little... Uh, for example, uh, setting up a trade route, I mean, is still a little... But, um, but for the most part, the UI is absolutely stellar. So so how much work has gone into making such a good UI? Um, 
In terms of uh, volume, it's basically a third of the game. Uh, if you look at the source code, it's uh, basically a third of the total uh, code that there is. So it's a lot of work. And uh, the worst part is that most of the code is just a part of the... had to rewrite it multiple times. Um, yeah. I know, for example, the trade route menu is uh, not not that great. Uh, and actually, the version that we, that you have is like the third version. Uh, the orbital map menu has been done a few times too. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the ship menu. Basically, there is a lot of work because we try one thing, we see how it goes, and then we have to redo some parts over because they're not that good. And it goes on and over and over. See a lot of time, and it's a lot of time that you can't really ignore. You have to uh, try something, and then you have to uh, see what went wrong, what went right, and see uh, see uh, where you go from there. Yeah, that, that makes sense because um, I think one of my favorite things about the UI is the tra- is the economy menu uh, because. A lot of this game involves um, when you're building a station or when you're building a ship, you need to deliver specific resources. And uh, a lot of this game uh, involves bringing those resources from one, one place to another to build your station or to build your ship. And the UI for trade, like, oh, I need 100 units of metal or steel. Um, boom, boom, boom. Oh, this, this system has it. Boom, I'm going to go there. The sector menu, that's who outputs it. Done. It's just so much more efficient than just about any other game I've played like this. <laughs> <laughs> I think a good part of uh, why we could do something like this is that the UI system that we have in Unreal Engine is a, a UI system to make applications. Uh, basically, the Unreal developers uh, created this UI system for um, for the editor, which is a very, very, very big application. Oh! And the fact that we can use the same tools, uh, it's very good because we have lists, we have buttons, we have images, uh, we have scroll boxes. So every time we want to do something, at least we can start with something, which is usually not good. Uh, it's usually not enough. But at least we have something that we can build upon. Uh, so I, I have to say that the engine is pretty good for this. Uh, and of course, it's a lot of lot of work on top of that. The hardest part, I think, is to just know what, what we need on the menus, um, to know how we're going to display it, or what the players are going to need, how we have to present it. Uh, for example, the trade route menu, which is still not that good, uh, it's it's very hard to do because we don't exactly know what we need to show the player. So that's very hard, and that's something that we have to try it, and then we have to see uh, if it works. I think right now it, it kind of works, this menu in particular, uh, but we know it's still not perfect. Right. Well, um, one thing I love about this game is that... Um, you're basically running a business, and uh, the tutorial is really intense, uh, which I love. I'm still I'm about three hours into the game, and I'm still doing the tutorial, which is great. 
But one thing I love about it is the game wants you to build stations. It wants you to build, um, you know, trade routes. But you have missions, <laughs> which I love because, like, I don't always want to build a station. I just want to run. I just want. I just want to run VIPs around and be a taxi. And 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 you have that. <laughs> so let's talk about that for a minute. How uh, are are missions like? How are missions generated? Because they're like. I, I like how they're not like you don't have to go to a mission computer. They're just kind of like there. They're just kind of like these people need this done. You got to go to here to do it. Uh, are they like generated from a pool of missions, or are they generated based on the needs of the economy, or how how are missions generated for the player? I'm glad you asked because it's. Uh, I think it's one of the highlights of the game. I agree. Uh, I I agree. I love it. I love it. Every contract that you have in the game is uh, actually generated depending on what people actually need. Um, for example, if you have two factions fighting, uh, each faction can offer you a contract to to help them out. And you're going to have two contracts saying, hey, can you defend, defend me against this guy? And the other guy is going to be like, um, can you help me kill this one off? And it's the same for uh, trading missions. Um, stations that need resources are going to offer you money if you can bring them these resources that it actually needs. A um, bit like filler. Um, they don't have an actual purpose to the economy, but most of the missions, they actually have a purpose in the game. And the idea was that you could... Uh, Make decisions, decide who you want, who you wanted to support, and um, I think it's more interesting than just having uh, missions that are generated. So they're, they're generated, but they actually have a meaning and they actually have an impact in the game. That is awesome. And and one thing uh, we haven't touched on, uh, which you just kind of brushed upon, there are um, while you are a corporation, you're like a little independent corporation there are much larger corporations in the game that own all these stations and you can work with or against them not just with missions but there's a diplomacy screen that lets you declare war on them it lets you like pay a tribute to them so but I, i haven't really played much with that uh so how like but I've noticed that as I've gotten further in the game, that has become more and more of a thing as they like expand. So are they all? Are they also as you play? Are they also doing their own thing? Are they also like making money and building missions and and, and doing th- and and doing yeah, missions exactly. and things like that? So there's a whole. They're not doing missions, but they are trading. They are trading with each other. Okay. Uh, they are creating stations. They are creating ships. So they are very, very, very dynamic. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's very interesting because you can see them progress. Uh, every player is going to have a different experience. Uh, some players are going to have the pirates running the world, and other players are going to see uh, like uh, Nema Heavy Works running the world. It's, uh, I think it's pretty fun. Oh, so that can be dynamic based on, like each game can be a little different based on how much control each of these corporations has? It's going to depend a lot of uh, random factors. It's going to depend on what you do. Um, if you have two factions fighting off and you want to take sides and help one of them, uh, you're going to see that faction rise 
in the in the diplomacy screen, and uh, you can make another faction disappear. So it it's, it can be very very dynamic. So so wait, there's this whole because I don't really see much of this, and it sounds like the player doesn't see much of it; they just see the result. But there's a whole background simulation of diplomacy and trade going on behind the scenes that affect how the layout. Exactly. How the layout, the political and tr- and economic layout of the sector evolves as the as you play the game. Yeah, exactly. Oh what we wanted to do was uh, like if you attack a freighters for a faction, uh, we wanted that faction to lose value, and we wanted the resources that were lost in the battle to uh, to be more valuable because they were more uh, more rare. And there is a lot of stuff that is simulated. The population is simulated. Um, you can have the population migrating between sectors. Uh, you can see different companies have a, a larger or smaller values. And it's it's so complex that one of the biggest challenges that we had was to um, make sure some factions were going to... Um, uh, to work as a structure for the world, basically make sure that every resource um, had a had a provider. Uh, because if you want to attack different companies in the game, if you want to attack the competition, that's fine. But if you actually manage to kill off every competitor, you can actually kill the game for yourself too. Uh, because you can make some resources completely unavailable. So... Um, the reason you have small and large companies is that it's fine to attack small companies, but if you want to attack the larger companies in the world, you have to make sure that you can actually be there when they fall to pick up their place. Oh my god. That's that's amazing. I didn't know that <laughs> I didn't know that like Unreal can handle that kind of level of background simulation. Oh my god. It's a uh, it's been a lot of work to make that work. Um, it's it's one of the reasons right now the prices are not very dynamic. Uh, if you play, you're going to notice that uh, the prices of resources they're pretty fixed, change right. a lot over time, and that we don't trust the companies, uh, the company AI yet. We don't trust it to um, to be reliable enough for everyone. But that's uh, that is something you are. Weeks. Sorry, that is something you are planning is to have a more dynamic supply and demand. Yeah, exactly. Oh We're going God. to uh, to uh, remove the training wheels in the future updates uh, once we know that uh, they can actually that they're not going to uh, to do uh, nonsense and uh, <laughs> cause uh, an economic crisis uh, every time. That that's. Because, like I said, I haven't played much with that part of the game, but that's that's amazing. Because one one way um, a lot of games, like say Elite, just fail is that their economy doesn't matter. Like the economy does not mean a darn thing in that game. Like you'll take you'll take blue widgets to one station and red widgets to another station, and doesn't change a thing. That station has a few more blue widgets now. It doesn't change the price. It doesn't change the demand. It just feels so empty. You know yeah. what I mean? As opposed to you bring you know, X amount of fuel and metal over to this station and, hey, suddenly you've got a new station. 
or you have you have an economy that's actually growing because of your direct actions because right. you've got a trade route or several trade routes going to that station it makes it important yeah exactly, exactly. and to be fair i think it's uh, it, it's very hard to uh, have the environment actually react to what to what you're doing so we started early with that uh, so we are comfortable with it but we also know that it's very hard to get uh, to get working uh, reliably and it's also a big constraint like if we wanted to have a, a, a pirate attack something like that uh, we can just spawn a, a fleet of pirates uh, near the player because that value has to come from somewhere um so we have constraints and in exchange uh, we can create uh, contracts that actually serve a purpose, which is great, I think. Uh, so it's a, it's a compromise. And I understand that other games don't want to make that compromise because uh, it's um, it removes a bit of creative freedom. But I, I think uh, I'm quite happy with what, what we, we've done here. Well, I think one of the reasons your game works in terms of, you know, economy, generating missions, that sort of thing, is because it's not too big it's not too broad you have a you have a you have a you have a good size universe to play with and you make it feel uh you make it feel large because of the time it takes to get anywhere you know that sort of thing so you haven't had to make this thing where it's a mile wide and an inch deep which which is really really nice that's why i think smaller uh, in scope, games like yours work better than larger games like X, for example, or whatnot, because there's just it allows you to make a more vibrant and varied ecosystem. I guess is the word, but but you know what I'm talking about because because you have a you have a set number of planets and sectors and whatnot, and that allows you to really focus on making each one unique, making each one vibrant, uh, making the economy work for all of them. Uh, and that, that I think that's a really good that's choice. Some, that's why some of them are uh, focused on a specific type of of resources. You know, some of them provide helium uh, that you need for for fuel. Uh, other ones are are better for uh, getting uh, solar power, for example. So, and some of them are just dead. There's nothing there. Which I like. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. There's it, it's space. Of course, you're going to have that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk about like how this uh, universe came to be. Uh, why don't you uh, fill folks in on what the backstory is on the Helium Rain universe up until where you enter the game? Yeah, sure. The um, the story in that game is that. Uh, a colonial fleet was sent uh, to explore that system. Uh, a star, the planet Nema, which is a, a gas giant, and the moons. Um, and um, that fleet was sent because it was thought that the moons could be habit inhabitable and that people could land and uh, colonize them. And uh, once they arrive for real, uh, they see that they can't actually land on the moons uh, because they're barrens. There is nothing to do there, and uh, it's 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 uh, like a, 
because they didn't expect that, they didn't plan for that, and they have to just stay in space with a ship. Is that is that why? I'm sorry. Uh, is that why a lot of the habitats just look like uh, remade, like cargo containers and ships and stuff like that, because they had to improvise? That's yeah. Of it's thing? Uh, it's also why some of the technology is lost. Uh, it's it explains why you don't have uh, access to every technology you could think of, and um, the idea is that uh, some of them wanted to go back. Some of them some of them wanted to stay, and uh, they fought. And they just lost the means to go back in the battle. So now you have a, a large population that's stranded there in that system, and they're just trying to survive. They're trying to build a new home for themselves. You come in, you have a company, and you're trying to uh, to fill the blanks in the economy to make sure everything works. And if you don't want to do that, it's fine. You can just fight and uh, be a mercenary, be a pirate people out yeah so, I, it's a good choice to make yeah like i said i really like how you have um with the inclusions of missions and combat you have the option to not run a company you can just be a pirate if you want to or you can just be a mission runner if you want to or you can build stations in every sector if you want to and become a business magnet now can you become like one of the large co- like because the game starts with several large companies but can you become like a large company on your own if you build enough stations and you have enough of it? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can actually capture stations too, uh, so you don't even have to build them. Uh, if you're good enough with the military, you can just see stations for yourself. Oh, right. I and, think uh, I did see a little bit of that. I think I saw that I was docked at a station that was being ca- trying to be captured by somebody else, and, <laughs> and there was a fight going on around me. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I was still in my starting uh, starting little like mini freighter shuttle thing at the time with no guns. I'm like, I'm just going to sit here for a minute. And not... <laughs> oh, God. You can actually overtake even the biggest companies. Uh, it's just going to be hard and require some time. But you can do it. It's, uh, it's a, basically the entire point. That's really... that that That's kind of incredible. So there are... Multiple paths to dominance in this game, it sounds like, which is what you want in a game like this. You want to give the player the freedom to uh, to choose their own path, which is great. And one thing I like about uh, – I want to talk about your tutorial a bit because, like I said, I'm three hours in and it's still going on. Um, <laughs> I, I love how you're – not only how interactive your tutorial is, but one thing I love about – and folks, the tutorial goes through just about every aspect of the game, at least so far. I'm on station building right now and upgrading. But it goes through ship building, it goes through combat, it goes through missions, it goes through all sorts of all just about every aspect of the game. Docking. Docking. Docking is a major thing. Yeah, we yeah. talk about that too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause in the beginning of the game, uh you don't even have an autopilot. You have to do the docking yourself. And so, yeah, the uh, beginning of the game, it's like, this is how you dock. And um, Yeah. <laughs> Which is important because, hey, there's a chance in combat you're going to lose your autopilot. And you have to remember yep. how to dock manually. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I, I, I – go ahead. 
Yeah, the manual docking thing is a is a funny story because we didn't have that in the game at first, and uh, we added it uh, like an achievement. Uh, it used to be uh, actually an achievement in the game, uh, dock manually at the station, and I thought it was so fun that it shouldn't be just a, a sideshow. It should be a part of the game, and we decided to make it uh, something that you had to. Uh, we decided to make the auto docking technology that you had to unlock. And uh, I think lots of people hated that at first because the docking was way too hard. You didn't have enough information on the HUD and uh, people were bumping into stations. Um, we had a YouTuber actually try for uh, five minutes to dock at the station and failing over and over and over again. And people in the chat were like, okay, uh, maybe you should slow down and stop bumping into stations. We had to uh, to do lots of work to, um, to make the docking nicer to use. And I'm quite happy with how is it now, but it's very fun because we didn't plan to have that at first, like at all. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it is a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I guess we should talk about that a bit. There's not just... Um business in this game but uh there's research and and you have to generate at first you can only get research through like doing missions but um is that right i'm remember am i remembering that right like eventually you, i built a research station for example which is how you can generate your own research but um yeah exactly but this game has a research element where you have it's it's kind of an unlock system uh and one of the first things you can unlock is an autopilot um, but let's talk about that. Like, how did the research? Because that's one thing a lot of these games do not have is like some kind of like um per, like permanent unlockable system like research. So how did that come to be? Um, basically, we just felt that we needed uh, some uh, a progression tool for the player uh, to. Um one way to put it is that we have so much stuff going on that uh, it's a it's a good idea to um, to not give everything to the player at first and have him work toward getting that. So most of the stations you can build them at first. You have to unlock the technology for that. Um, you have to unlock most of the weapons and so on and so on. And the point of that is that it's not a tutorial because it doesn't explain, but it's um, it's a way to let you play, can unlock some some things. Uh, so you have time to learn the game, and then once you have played a lot, played a lot, we can reward you with uh, one of the more in-game features. For example, we we don't want the player to be the shipyard uh, when he just started the game because he, he's not going to get how to use it. Uh, it's going to cost too much for him. So it's a way to guide the player and tell him that some features are more for the beginner player and some features are more for the experienced player. Right, and that, and that makes sense to gate that stuff behind what feels like a very natural research system. I mean, it just really just makes sense in the game uh, in in the universe, but also as part of the game's mechanics, it just really feels natural. 
So yeah, well, there are so many things moving at once, uh, so many factors that that are in play that if it were to all be available at the onset of the game, it would be too confusing for yeah, most people. Way too confusing. Yeah. Yeah, the sectors work the same way. You have to unlock them. You have to find them. Uh, when you when you start the game, you have only four or five sectors, I think, and um, uh, we have uh, twenty or twenty five total right now. So uh, there is a progression too. You have to build a station. You have to find those sectors, and it's the same reason. We don't want the player to uh, to wake up in a large, complete universe. Uh, we uh, we want the player to uh, to explore a bit and uh, earn his access to that technology or these sectors. It's very fair. It's it's very incremental as well. Yeah, you don't you don't feel like oh I am being thrown into the deep end of the pool and now I have to learn to swim. It's you're you're gradually given more to to do, and once you get the basics down, like docking you have that skill. It's not something that you have to learn five hours into the game and suddenly you've lost your autopilot. Yeah. And it's something that we added very late in the game. I think the research system is maybe the last uh, major feature that we did before we went into uh, early access. Um, I I wasn't even sure that we wanted to have that before early access. I think it was a good decision. Um, But Basically, we had to build first the core of the game uh, through the trading features, the navigation. And uh, when we did an alpha for the game, we didn't have contracts. We didn't have technology, uh, research. uh, So we added that. And I think it's much better now. I agree. Like like I said earlier, we are totally just enamored with this game because it, it just already gets so much right. It just it just gets so much right. So you've been in early access for how long now? Um, two months. Two. Oh, oh wow, that's it. Um, how is that going for you? Have you been getting a lot of like one? Of, like I'm sure one of the reasons this is so good is because of your own work. But are you getting a lot of good feedback as well? That's helping you make the game better. Yeah, the first months and the first two weeks, especially, were. Lots of bugs. Uh, we have something like 200 or 300 bug reports. Um, so oh at first, God. the feedback was very intense. Um, I think mostly we have good feedback. Um, I mean, we have quality feedback and we have positive feedback, which is not the same thing, but we have both. And um, lots of ideas that we see from the players are very good. Uh, the modular station system that we are working on right now is something one of the players suggested. And um, yeah, I, I'm very happy with the feedback that we have. We have good reviews and um, we have lots of people commenting on the Steam discussions to tell us, hey, maybe you should try doing something like this. And it, it's been a great guide to know what we had to work on uh, to for example, we've been working a lot on the UI after we release the game, uh, because even if we work a lot on this, it's still something that needs uh, more love. So, uh, yeah, I think the feedback was very good, and uh, it's uh, it's a big reason why the game is is uh, 
to play now. It's because of so much feedback we're having. The, the it's first worth feedback mentioning. we had. It's worth mentioning that you at at this moment have one hundred percent positive reviews on Steam. <laughs> yes, that's a very good thing. Um, the that's first amazing. feedback that we had in the in the alpha, so a year and a half ago, was like, it's it's a good shell of a game, but it's not fun. It's not enough. It's uh, it's not good. And last year, most of last year was like we had to reboot most of the game. Uh, we changed lots of stuff. We added the cockpits. We added the technology. We added uh, many, many, many things, and it, that's why it's been getting better. So, uh, so how, how how do you have like a plan for how long you uh, intend early access to last, or is it just as long as it lasts? Uh, we had a plan. Uh, the plan was something like six six months. Uh, it's probably going to be a bit more, but um, I think it's going to be something like between six months and a year. And it will be an early access to add for as long as we want to add the story and things like that. And once we think the is done, we will release the game itself out of early access. Um, it, we don't really want to release the game uh, before it's complete. So totally. when we release it out of early access, it will be like it's done. No, that makes total sense. We actually have a question from the from Twitch. Uh, can we expect more ships in the future? Twelve ships seems a little low. That's what they say. Uh, I think I think people can can uh, expect. A bit more ships. I'm not going to promise too much. Uh, maybe we will add a few more ships, but something like two or three tops. We're not going to spend lots of time creating new ships because we want every ship to have a, a unique role. Uh, you have a bomber, a light fighter, a heavy fighter, uh, a fast corvette, and so on. And the more ships we had, the more ships we add to the game, uh, the less unique they can be. So uh, every time we have a, a good idea for a ship that would uh, fill a, a specific role in your fleet, we try to build that ship. Right now, game, I don't think we lack something. Uh, but when, we, when we're going to add the fuel systems later with uh, the next update, maybe we will um, maybe we will need to add tankers Maybe we are going to need a, a carrier. And we don't want to just make ships for the sake of making ships. We want them to be actually useful. So wait, a carrier like with like small fighters or like with drones? Uh, no, if we, if we do a carrier, it, it will be a fighter transporting carrier that you can uh, use in order to not waste fuel. Uh, by moving a fleet of fighters around. Oh my god, that'll be huge! Because fighters aren't small in this game. I mean, they're small-ish, but I mean, a ship to carry those things would be massive, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think we have actually a few massive ships in the game already. Uh, some of them are very, very large. But yeah, if we do a carrier, it's going to be a big ship. 
That's that's awesome. So what kind of ship? I've only seen a few uh, ships so far in the game. Uh, what kind of ships are in the game? I've seen freighters and like the the, the starting shuttle, which I'm 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 guessing is that a shuttle? Like is that what yeah. that would be? Okay. <laughs> and I've seen a fighter. So what are the, what are the other like you said bomber? But what are the other uh, ships you can get in the game? Like right now, what are the other types of ships in the game right now? Um, right now, you have two small fighters. You have three fighters, and then you have uh, larger ships. You have uh, two larger freighting freighter ships, and you have two corvettes, two destroyers, and uh, one cruiser, which is uh, very deadly. And you can build all those if you want. You can like eventually get your own shipyard and build your own cruiser and have a fleet and all that stuff. You can you if you want, you can do all that, right? Yeah, you can. And you can fly can you fly the cruiser yourself as well if you wanted to? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, right now it's um basically you can either fly it so you you're piloting it or you can fight with it and you you take control of the turrets. You're not flying uh you're not just um Piloting oh, the ship, you're not. Oh. You don't uh, care about the direction it's going to. You just fly the turrets, and you can aim for enemy fighters, for enemy ships, which is, it's pretty fun. Oh, I'm I'm nowhere near that apparently. Now, if you start building, if you're, uh, if your corporation gets big enough that you start building ships to protect your stations, can you uh, can you make them like autonomous, like protect this station? I haven't gotten that far in the game. I don't know if you can or not, but that's why I'm asking. Like, if you build, like, say you build a bunch of fighters to protect this one station, can they be autonomous, like, patrol here, protect this? Like, is the AI uh, that... We, Sorry, we have no. a basic order system like that. Um, if you leave fighters in a sector and you have a station and your station is getting attacked, those fighters are going to fight uh, automatically. Oh, so you didn't even really have to... Fleet? Oh, so you didn't really have to give them orders. You can just like leave them there and they'll do their thing. They're not in your fleet. They're going to behave uh, in a natural way, which is going to be defend your assets. And if they are in your fleet, you're going to have to tell them to uh, protect yourself or to attack enemies. And I think the default is to protect yourself. Oh, so if I just left five fighters in another system... It would ju- they would automatically just protect my station if it became un- if it became attacked. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> that is fantastic. That's the kind of thing we need. <laughs> that's the kind of streamlined gameplay I want to hear about. <laughs> because like. I don't know about you, but my gaming time is limited, and when I'm playing a game, I don't want to waste time doing things that could otherwise be streamlined. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate how much work has gone into streamlining the gameplay of this. It's not so yeah. much automate everything. It's it's more right. like it's, I want to feel like I'm doing stuff and not fighting the UI or fighting the mechanics of the game exactly playing the game. Exactly. Yeah. And at first, usually, the game requires you to do the manual stuff. And then once you grow a bit, you can automate it, automate it and not have to worry about it. Which is great. You grow into a larger role, so you delegate. 
and and let the AI do more stuff. So you still do stuff, but the AI will do more stuff as you get larger. Which is that sounds awesome. Honestly, that sounds so great. Oh, I think the YouTube stream is is futzing around. I apologize, folks. Seems okay on my Okay, maybe it's just me. Uh, yeah, the internet seems mostly okay this morning. Maybe cuz Steam hasn't updated yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so speaking of Steam, I did want to talk about because we were talking about early access a little bit um, ago. Uh, we were also talking before the show uh, the struggles of being a developer on Steam, and I, I I would like to talk more about this because this is something we don't get to talk about enough, I think. And um, and I I I kind of sometimes don't understand how anyone would want to be a developer. With the kind of mount, with the kind of mountain you have to climb to become successful, especially on a platform like Steam. So, uh, what would you say are your biggest challenges right now being on Steam? I mean, I mean, clearly, like it's visibility, but what what are like the big hurdles you're finding as a developer on Steam? Well, as a developer, you. I wouldn't say that you have to fight the other developers, uh, but it's uh, it's something close to that. Um, basically, you have to fight for visibility. Um, I wanted to go on Steam. Um, it was two years ago, and there was this green light thing. Uh, for those who don't know about it, green light was a voting platform where people on Steam would just say, this game project looks good. I wanted to go on Steam or I'm not interested in this project. And when we went through Greenlight, we had something like 4,000 people voting, yes, I want to see this game. And at that time, it was um, in Steam, and there was a bit less game releasing uh, that uh, you have now. And it's been changing very fast. Greenlight was removed uh, this year, and what we're seeing since last year is way, way, way more games getting on Steam. I think we have something like a hundred games every week now. It's uh, it does it's feel like crazy. that. It feels like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's insane. So we don't um, because um, our priority is to make a great game. But yeah, it's um, getting visibility and getting. People to notice the game can be pretty hard. And is that when people learn about the game, most of the feedback that we have is like, I never knew this game existed. I think we we had a, a comment saying that just before on the chat. And it's something that we hear a lot. So it's probably the biggest issue we have with Steam. And it's the reason of that is that I think everyone wants to make games. Maybe not everyone, but plenty of people want to make a game. And uh, I understand it's it's great. I love making games. And since game tools are getting better and better about today at becoming a game, which is great. And the trade-off to that is that you have to uh, to fight for your game to be noticed. Uh, yeah, hang on. Something like uh, Sorry, 90% of the games on Steam 
were released after 2014. I think that's what the statistic was. I believe it. I I totally believe it. Hang on one second. I'm going to switch servers because we are getting some uh, some cutting out here and there. I'm going to see if switching a server uh, gets us a slightly better connection. One second. Okay, hopefully that does us better because uh, we got some uh, we got we got some people saying you were cutting out there a little bit. Oh, okay. So uh, hopefully that fixes the problem. Uh, that's the downside of doing this live, folks. <laughs> Is uh, stuff like that's going to happen, and we can't control the internet. Sadly, uh, there's only so much we can do. So sorry about the audio. Uh, hopefully switching switching. Now you know it's really nice. Yeah, sometimes switching servers fixes the problem, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but hopefully that takes care of the problem. So, so yeah, uh because you were saying like having Unreal, having um Unity and whatnot makes game development a lot easier, but that's it seems it sounds like these days developing is the easier part uh, uh of making a game. It sounds like marketing and and gaining visibility is the is the bigger struggle. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's uh, the easiest part. Uh, I would say that it's the most interesting part, definitely. Um, I think what we have to accept is that um, we have to work a lot on marketing to have a game and getting visibility. We also have to accept that just like in the music industry, not everyone is going to live from his work and uh, that's it's a bit sad but at the same time when everyone wants to uh, sell something uh, if when you have so big a market to uh, not everyone is going to get a cut basically so uh, I think it's something that we have to accept and I wish that Steam maybe had a, a higher bar for getting on the platform because I uh, agree. Green Knight had some voting and now that Green Knight is gone you just have to pay a small fee and your game is online. So which apparently everybody has which apparently everyone has that fee because the garbage I've been seeing on Steam these last few months especially has been just just atrocious. <laughs> just there's so much so much garbage on there. And it I I and what what annoys me is like when Steam decides to solve a problem by making us solve it for them, or 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 they take the most bare bones solution to a problem like review bombing, for example, or visibility, for example, or it's and it sounds like what they're going to do with visibility is make curators more responsible for it, which in a way could be great for a curator but that still like absolves them of doing more work and making their platform better. You know, it's, it's yeah. really, it's really frustrating. The good thing is that at least, um, they're giving everyone a shot and they're not trying to choose who's going to win, but sure. yeah, it's, uh, as developer, it can be annoying to see some, uh, low effort games abilities that you do. Oh my god, like like the asset flip games. 
uh, I don't know if you've seen all these, but there's so many asset flip games where like they'll put something that was basically in the Unity shop with a bunch of trading cards on on the market <laughs> just to make money from the trading cards. At least we know that um, if we do a great game, maybe we're not going to get noticed right away, but we're going to test it and try it. And at some That's point, true. people are going to, to see that there is a good game or that there isn't a good game. So I, I don't think that having too many games on Steam is that bad. For us, it, uh, if there was more selection and maybe a, a higher bar for entry. I wish. At the same time, we don't want to have something like uh, like Origin or or GOG or platforms who select and have a very high bar for entry. Uh, right. Because if we had only that, we wouldn't have a shot. Just like uh, before Steam, if you wanted to do a game, uh, you were not going to have your game uh, getting on, on people's computers because no one would ever learn about your game. And it's it's quite a recent thing. So, in a way, I'm still pretty happy that we do have Steam, because at least we oh. have a shot. Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm, I'm thrilled we have Steam. It's getting more ha- games in more people's hands than ever before. It's great, but there are downsides. And I think one thing that's going to help you is that uh, while there are games like Elite and whatnot, there aren't a ton of first-person. Um, you know, trading and fighting space games right now. Most people are making top-down games, you know, for example... Yeah, we're seeing lots of uh, multiplayer shooters, like competitive yeah. space shooters too. Yeah, like arena-based things and competitive things, and there aren't a lot of... Uh, and I really got to say, I appreciate that you are solely single-player. I really appreciate that, because, like, everyone wants multiplayer now. It's like, no, you don't need multiplayer. <laughs> Not everyone needs multiplayer. It's a crutch. <laughs> God. Uh, I think multiplayer is great too. It's just that we have to pick uh, priorities yeah. and not try to make your game do everything. Yeah. Uh, if you have fifty million in uh, in uh, if you have fifty million dollars to make the game, okay, you can probably do some some good stuff and uh, right. not choose between features. But as an indie, we have to uh, to have priorities. Right, and I, I like I said, I really appreciate that because I, I'm tired of like games that have like either a single player that's just a, t- a tutorial for the multiplayer, or or multiplayer that's like tacked on half afterthought. You know, just just focus on one or the other. And so I appreciate that you have focused on one uh, and are making the best game because I think that's what'll help. I think that's. Um, in talking about the visibility problem on Steam, that's what will help you and other games differentiate yourself is not only the quality of the game you're making, but the fact that you're making something a little more unique than you're not trying to make a uh, battle, a player underground battleground Fortnite, whatever that bull crap is type game, you know, or you're not trying to make an arena based first person shooter thing. You're doing your own thing. And there isn't a ton of competition in this niche, so that that is probably what'll get you the legs, I think. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, we we wanted to make that game, and we didn't uh, started to make the game thinking, oh, we're going to get rich. 
space games. That's what everyone wants to play. Um, if you wanted to get rich, I think uh, there were other kind of games that we could have picked. <laughs> you would you would have made a MOBA. Um, you would have made a mobile uh, MOBA with loot crates and. <laughs> So uh, I'm very like happy that we that we work on that kind of game because that's what we want to make in the first place. And you can really tell. You can really tell and playing your game that a lot of love and care uh and attention has been given to this. It's not nothing is really an afterthought, you know, that sort of thing. You can really tell that this is not only, you know, a great game, but this is you're making the game you would want to play. You know, which you can really you can really tell by the quality of this thing, and and the player feedback as well that goes into the game because hey, the community is helping to make it better. Well, it's uh, yeah, we're trying to read everything players have to say about it. Uh, we're trying to respond all the time when we can, and uh, we are trying to be transparent about what we do. Um, that's why we made the game the game source code available for everyone. Uh, that's why we have a public roadmap. Uh, we just want people to tell us what they want. And if it fits the vision that we have for the game, we just do it. And it's... Uh, it, I, I have to say, I, I love uh, making people happy with the game. It's uh, when you just work on a feature for weeks and you have people saying, thank you, that's what I wanted. It's a very good feeling. And And... It's it's got to be tough striking that balance between giving what people want and staying true to your original vision of the game. And, and Sometimes uh, it's even hard to just do what people want. Um, with the manual docking, we saw that maybe half the players wanted manual docking, and the other the other half was uh, telling us that they hated manual docking, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't even a question of whether we wanted it or not. We we had players saying, hey, do it. Hey, don't do it. Uh, in that case, I think we made a, a decent compromise. <laughs> but sometimes we, players don't uh, don't agree on what they want. So we're trying to, to do something that works and that is fun. And we're trying not to force people to do something that they don't like in the game. Right. And um, so far, you've... I mean, so far, sorry, I'm still half awake and probably all over the place. Uh, yeah, so far there's been nothing I haven't enjoyed in this game. Like, as I was saying earlier uh, with the X Games, I never want to build stations or deal with the economy much because it's such a chore, you know, in, in games like that. But in your game, you make the economy just feel like the river it is. If that makes any fluid. sense, it is very fluid. Yeah, it feels very fluid. It feels very, uh, and and you really make it easier, make it easy for the player to dip their foot into that river, uh, and, and and get a feel for it, you know, with 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 your excellent UI and everything, and you make the economy transparent as well. Like this station needs this, this station produces this, you know, it's very clear, and everything. So. I got to give you guys props because I like so many of these games have station building and I never do it. I, I just don't care. I just, I just don't, I just want to fly around my ship, you know, but the nice thing about your state, your game is, Oh, I just want to build a station in this sector and it's going to trade on its own. 
You know, it's it's going to trade with other people. You know what I mean? On its own, I don't have to manage that myself. Which just makes yeah. sense. Uh, interesting uh, story about that is that um, we are mostly a team of two working on the game. Um, we also have someone working on the music, but most of the game, it's a two-man team. And uh, Niavox, the other developer, is um, new features and uh, simulation features and uh, doing an interesting uh, AI and that kind of stuff. And what I want is to have a clean, simple game that everyone can understand. And we, we basically fight all the time. Uh, <laughs> one of us want to, to add something new, and I'm like, no, it's it's too complicated. And we, we talk and we talk and we talk. And in the end, we have a good compromise that is uh, interesting and that that's not too complicated. I think it's, even if we fight all the if, even if we fight all the time, it's the result is uh, often uh, interesting. Well, whatever you guys fight about, it seems to be working <laughs> because because again, this game. It, it's, sorry, at least we're we're getting results. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely getting results because again, this game is just so. It's natural playing. That's the thing. Like it's a spaceship game, but it just because the menus are so clean and clearly laid out and all the screens make sense, it just feels very natural to play this. You know, you like, don't feel like you're flying a desk. Exactly. Honestly. Oh my god. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you feel like you're actually in a ship making a difference. Unlike some other games where you feel like you're flying a desk just on a hamster wheel grinding your spinning your wheels and barely making an impact on the universe as a whole. Here you feel like you're actually making an impact. You know, which is really, really nice. You know, because that's that's all you want to do. You want to feel like your decisions matter. You want to feel like what you're doing matters. And like if I transport a bunch of stuff from station A to station B just to do a contract, but ultimately it doesn't matter, I'm just gonna stop playing that game. Like, what's the point? Nothing What nothing I do matters, you know? Elite. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm still so... I'm so burnt out on that. <laughs> so... Uh, because, like, that's one... Like, your game and, like, a game like Jump Gate or a game like um, Evercrown with a, with, a, with a smaller universe can make it so a player's decision actually matters. A player's decision has weight. And I really got to appreciate the work you do in making making the player feel like they at, like what they're doing matters. You know, that's so important. The most important things that we wanted to nail with the game, um, we wanted the player to be able to choose a pass and do something and actually see the world react to his actions. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to do. Uh, I understand that uh, if you're doing a game uh, that has a lot of art production and so on, it can be very hard to create uh, something like that where the world reacts because then you have to create different versions of the world. Uh, I'm not just talking about space sims, but um, if you do a game like The Witcher, it's very hard to uh, actually have different outcomes because 
you're not going to to create uh, 50 different versions of your world because it would be right. just too much work. And some games try to do something like this. And the chance that we have is that we don't really have a story, at least not yet. Uh, the story that we have is uh, which corporation is going to get on top, which faction is going to rule, uh, uh, who is going to get wiped out by pirates. And that's something that, that we can change easily. We don't have to uh, to write uh, different different voice acting lines. We don't have to uh, to create new cinematics. And it, it's a change that we have, and I think we've made good use of that. Uh, and the game will have a uh, like a story. It will have an overarching uh, story to it once it's released. Yeah, at least it's it's a plan. We've been working on the story for uh, quite some time, and. Again, that's something different players have different views on. Some players want the story as soon as possible, and uh, I think most players didn't really care, at least not yet. Uh, so we're not putting a lot of priority in that, but it's something that we want to add later to the game. Um, we want a story, maybe not about the, the companies, uh, the factions, but we want to to have some kind of uh, new elements to the universe of the game. Well, it's interesting because when you have an <laughs> when you have an open game like this, adding a narrative can be can be tricky. Like I think games that have done it well, like Privateer or um, Freelancer, for example, they like have a good mix of oh, good go do your own thing for a while, and then eventually oh, by the way, you have to come here now or as soon as you can to do this thing. To move the story forward, um, so I that think we're going to try to do something that is as dynamic as the game itself. Oh my god! Um, which is why we're not exactly sure. Um, but uh, basically, we'd like to have uh, some kind of of um, enemy that everyone agrees is the enemy, and uh, try to work on that if we can uh, make it like um, uh, like the missions, like the contracts makes that a, a persistent feature of the game. Not well, you much sh- about that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's you, you, not should, a- you should take a page from Heavy Gear and have uh, folks from Earth uh, reconnecting with you guys and going, oh yeah, this is all ours now. And you guys are like, hey, no, wait a minute. <laughs> no, it isn't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly the kind of stuff that we want to add. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, because that kind of stuff is fun. That guy, I, I don't know. Are you familiar with Heavy Gear at all? Not at all. Oh, okay, it's a it's a role playing. Um, it's a mecha role playing game, but they've also been a couple of computer games where you're on this like long lost human colony called Terra Nova, and then eventually Earth finds you again, and they want to be like, "Hey, you're 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 with us right now. You're ours, right?" And Terra Nova's like, "No, we're not." We're independent. We've been doing fine without you guys. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so it's it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Uh, there's a lot of great lore in there. Even if you just want to read the lore, uh, it's pretty awesome. Oh, thank you, honey. My wife has made me coffee, which I desperately, desperately need. <laughs> Starfire Gemini Warlords did something like that as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm still I'm still going through that one, uh, but that's also that's all that's another great example of mixing openness with narrative. Um, 
it's kind of does the same thing as privateer where it's like you do your own thing for a while then it's like oh by the way come over here you know um so those might be good examples to look at uh i know you want to make it all dynamic but that can like maybe give you like a idea of how to meld it in together because it can't be easy you know you have all these dynamic elements going on because it sounds like there's just as much going on in the background simulation can you guys hear that by the way that rumbling can you hear that yeah that's that's a car side note that is a car that is parked in the car park underneath my apartment that seems to love to start and then idle for several minutes whenever I'm recording anything like it's like they know I'm here and they're like, oh, I'm gonna start my 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 Japanese my my Japanese rice beater with no muffler and let it sit for ten minutes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so annoying. But uh, yeah, this game doesn't. I don't know if it needs story. Like, it sounds like the emergent qualities with the corporation, and everything might be enough. But yeah, maybe if, at some point adding an antagonist that like everyone has to unify against or something like that. That might be fun. Like we've been fighting each other the whole game. Oh no, yeah. aliens. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it, it, basically what Game of Thrones has been doing uh, for uh, the past uh, six seasons. And oh, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Really. What have oh, they been doing? Uh, you know what? Anyway, I got, I got uh, through season one, and but once they killed Sean Bean, I was like, no Sean Bean? I don't care anymore. I'm done. <laughs> then I stop watching. It's but what not th- like we can. Uh, I was talking about that earlier, but since everything is supposed to be dynamic and every resource is go- is supposed to be in a closed loop, we can just just create a new fleet from nowhere and say, "Okay, uh, these are the bad guy now." Uh, we can just take one of the companies of the game and say this company is the enemy now because maybe by the time we have the uh, uh, the story thing, maybe by that time you have killed everyone in your universe. So maybe we don't. Maybe you don't even have an enemy left to fight. So we can't use that and we have to create something new and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, could you do some kind that's of... That's what we, we will be trying to do with the story thing. I'm sorry. Uh, could Go ahead, Spad. Sorry. I was just going to say, I was just playing Starpoint Gemini Warlords just yesterday, and in the Titans Return uh, DLC, that actually gets, you get to a point in in your leveling, and then an event comes up, and you can decide whether or not you want to continue playing in free roam mode, or have this this story uh, aspect trigger. And if you decide to do that, then the story happens and a whole bunch of ships enter into your sandbox. So they, they actually did work it in so that if you want to play completely free, free room, you can, or you could, or you can take on the story and then suddenly this, this faction comes in and then you have to deal with that. That's yeah, it's, a, it's another way to do it. Yeah. And we're not trying to tell, we're not trying to tell you how to do it. We're just throwing examples at you to make, try to be helpful. Like, this is how these guys did it. Lo- you know? From players to uh, to see what they like and uh, try to try to do something that is good. So it's uh, <laughs> it's always okay to give feedback. Right. But um, 
Yeah, we got to start wrapping up. Uh, we have a hard stop soon. Uh, so, yeah, folks, again, the game is Helium Rain. Uh, it is on Steam currently for, what, $15? Right? 15 bucks. In and in early access. Yeah, it's in early access. But very much worth it in the oh, early access state. Oh my god. It it feels more complete than some other actually so-called complete uh, space trading games right now because... Not these, naming names. <clears throat> no, we're naming names, Elite. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, uh, you seem to have a much tighter and clearer focus on what you want to do, Grinnell, with your game. Than Star Citizen or Elite or other people <laughs> who have a lot more money. And maybe that's the thing. You're smaller, so you have to be more tightly focused. But I think ultimately that's probably going to make a better game because you're not, you know, your limits. And so you're not going to get too big for your britches. You know, I, I think ultimately your tighter focus will be what gives you the legs over, say, someone like Elite. You know, um, but yeah, the uh, again the folk the game the folk folk. Oh my god, I can't even freaking talk. I have to go to work after this. The the game, <laughs> folks. Oh my god, <laughs> I, I think I need more. You can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Uh, <laughs> the game, folks, is Helium Rain. It's on Steam. It's is it someone was asking about this earlier, I forgot to mention. Is it only on Steam right now or is it is it gonna be like DRM free at all? Uh or is it just gonna be on Steam? No, it's on Steam but uh, with the uh, DRM feature disabled. And um We'd like to bring it to GOG at some point, okay. but uh, at the moment it's not uh, something that they want. So oh, we will uh, try to do it. Uh, yeah, I know. So we'll try to do that in the future uh, once the game is out of early access. We try to release it on other platforms for people who really don't want Steam. Uh, at the moment, it's it's pretty easy for us because we have uh, just one platform to take care of. Uh, so it's it's easier to work with, right. and once we don't have to update the game every month, it will probably be easier for us to uh, to add new platforms. Um, that, that makes sense. Yeah, that, we that probably sense. have to. We also want to have a modding SDK at some point. Oh, uh, so we we definitely don't want people to. Uh, uh, to can't to not have an, uh, access to the game. We want everyone to have access to the game and we'd like people to offer mods for it in the future if we can do it. Uh, It's not like we don't uh, want to support anything else than Steam. It's more like right now it's the only platform that we're going to to work with in the short term. And once we are done with the early access, we will try to uh, ship it on other platforms. Okay, that's good because some some folks uh, apparently don't like Steam. I I don't fully get that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. If you want to limit yourself, sure, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't I don't. Uh... Oh yeah, someone said that now. Even though you're probably even though you're just on Steam, they're probably going to buy it. Um. 
Oh, uh, since you're going to have modding, is that going to be ships? Because someone just asked if you get to design your own ships. It doesn't sound like that's going to be like an in-game thing, but it sounds like you'll be able to mod your own ships in if you want to. Yeah, uh, so you can't uh, build your own ship in the game. That's not what this game is about. Right. Uh, But, um, yeah, if we have modding, ships are the number one thing that you will be able to mod. Um, It's... uh, Definitely the one thing that we want uh, mods to offer. The other thing would be sectors uh, with uh, um, creating a new sector in a special place in the world. That's something that we could do with mods. And we wanted to have uh, stories with mods. And it's maybe not going to be as easy as uh, we thought. (laughs) But uh, yeah, if we have mods, ships are the literally the only thing that we know we would have in mods. Right. And yeah, no, that makes sense because you have so many dynamic elements adding mods to it might break things. So you don't, <laughs> so you don't want to break things. Uh, so that makes sense. Uh, so I hope that answered your question, Planetfall, over on YouTube. Um, but yeah, again, folks, the game is Helium Rain, $15, early access, it is awesome. I'm not even kidding. It is awesome. If you if you want a game that's kind of like kind of like X or Privateer but much more streamlined and more fun, this is the game to get. It's it's $15 is a steal for this. For all the crap that's in here, a total steal. Oh my god. You start with one little shuttle and then you can build an entire uh, corporation out of that. Or not. Or, or not. Or not, you can just be a mission runner or a pirate, you know? You can do your thing, and it's great, because the game doesn't, like, force you to do any of these things. It's awesome. So, yeah, Helium Rain, it's great. Uh, Just a couple of programming notes. Uh, Thursday, we're playing... Oh, God, what the hell's the name of that game? Throne of Lies. Throne of Lies. It's a mafia-slash-werewolf-style game. Don't know if it's going to be any good, but... The developer sent us some keys, so we're like, yeah, it's a board game. We'll give it a shot. Why not? It might be terrible. Hopefully it's not, but we'll try it. Uh, Sunday, uh, we're having our next uh, monthly MMO meetup, and it's the first to feature Star Wars Galaxies. Um, While the game itself is free to play, you do need to own installation media for this one. So if you do want to join us, go to eBay or Amazon right now. And get some uh, get some Star Wars Galaxies installation media uh, to install the Legends mod. It's amazing. There are two separate mods uh, running Star Wars Galaxies right now, which is incredible. We're going to be playing the uh, Legends one because that's the stuff. That's the one that has the spaceships in it. Uh, so that's Sunday at nine a.m. Pacific time. Uh, if you want to join us, and then next week on the podcast uh, on Halloween. Uh, we're we're not doing anything Halloween themed. It's just funny that it's on Halloween. Uh, we're going to be talking to the developer of Dath Origins, which we've not played yet, but we should fix that. <laughs> we really should fix that. So, Grinnell, I want to thank you for uh, coming on and uh, talking to us in the middle of your afternoon uh, about Helium Rain. Uh, again, we love your game. It is just joyous to play. It is so much fun. Uh, it is just so much fun, so well made, and it still has six months to a year to go. 
that just blows my mind. That's not already 1.0. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, folks, again, we can't gush about this game enough. We we are just gaga over this thing. Um, so yeah, check it out. Helium Rain. It's on Steam. Go buy it. Go buy it right now. Uh, I guess my last question is there's a couple of sales coming up. Uh, three, I think. There's a Halloween sale, a Black Friday sale, and a Christmas sale. Are you going to be taking part in any of those? Uh, yeah, we will be taking part in those. So uh, two days before you buy it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, yeah. So, folks, uh, maybe wait a couple days before you buy it if you want to get it on sale. But it's only 15 bucks, worth 15 bucks. Uh, but if you want wait, get it on sale, that's fine, too. But get it. Seriously. If you like space games at all, this is a game you need to own. And if you don't buy it, I will disown you. You'll be kicked out of Discord, off of Facebook. <laughs> we will never talk to you again. No, that's I'm not. I would never do that. Well, not never. <laughs> anyway, might thank you. A little ridicule, though. But. Yeah, yeah. We might make fun of you. We might point and laugh at you. Like, well, have you bought it yet? <laughs> oh my god, I'm losing my mind. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, the game is Helium Rain. Go buy it. It's great. We love it. And uh, I'll just end it there. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening and engaging in the chat room today. If you haven't, uh, like us on on, uh, iTunes if you haven't already and review us because uh, we have some great reviews. And the more reviews we get – I try not to beg about this a lot, but I'm just going to throw it out there. The more reviews we get, the more visible we become and the more visible the games we're trying to help promote become. So – it's a win-win for everyone. So please go to iTunes and review us if you haven't already. Subscribe on YouTube, Twitch, wherever you want. Uh, come to our Discord. Up on Discord. Yeah, yeah, come to our Discord and our Facebook. We're very active. We're very friendly. Well, most of us are very friendly. Some of us are jerks. But most of us are very friendly. And there's a Patreon if you want to. Uh, yeah, I guess. Okay, we have a, a bit. we have a Patreon. It helps pay for the hosting and it helps pay... Uh, for SpaceGameJunkie.com and all that stuff. Uh, Plan of Fall, no, you can't design ships in the game, but you can order ships in a shipyard. Um, so that's the ship building that's in the game right now. You can order existing sh- design ships in a shipyard. So you can buy a freighter, you can buy a fighter. Uh, so yeah, there is a ship tutor- building tutorial, but you're not. Des- it's not like Galsiv where you're just putting parts on a thing or re- reassembly or something. Um, that again, that's not what this game is about. Uh, it's more like the privateer type or freelance type thing where you, there were already ships in the game and you got to play with those. So it's like that. Uh, but yeah, thanks for watching and listening folks. And we will see you next time. Have a great day, afternoon, night, wherever you are <laughs> and bye-bye.